Sooners Exit Podcast, as always, presented by Zaxby's. We as really always. appreciate our sponsor. But we're not here to talk any further about Zaxby's. We're here to talk about OU athletics, especially OU football. But we got to start off with a bit of non-football news today, Abby. Oh, and There's it's a big not one. not much that can get us off of OU football as the main subject. But Top Dog is back. Yes, he is. It's It was kind of confusing uh well this is tuesday now so on monday uh on ou men's basketball social media uh it was a little bit confusing at first kind (laughs) of it was a lot confusing at first uh i know we were and a lot of people on the internet were wondering what exactly was going on on twitter it looked like some accidental tweets that never seemed to go away and then as the day went on it became more and more clear and finally was announced that Top Dog is back. He is, and it's been a long time. Uh, but I remember I grew up watching Top Dog. What Top Dog went away in the early 2000s, is that right? Yes. Um, but I grew up in the, the 80s and, and early 90s watching Top Dog. Of course, it didn't help hurt that they had fantastic basketball teams during that, that especially the 80s era with – Wayman Tisdale and Stacy King and Horace Grant and all those great uh, players that played under Billy Tubbs, but Top Dog was such a big part of the experience of OU basketball, and I know there's a lot of people that are uh, pumped up to see that mascot back. Oh, yeah, definitely, and I mean, uh, you know, Lon Kruger said yesterday he's excited. Uh, the whole internet is excited. I'm excited. I've never seen. I've only seen pictures, and the pictures look fun. So, I'm excited to see Top Dog in person myself. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting. And the Top Dog is is back for good, or is this just a uh, limited time appearance? Or do you know, have you figured I this out? I believe it is. As of right now, it is for good. Okay. Good. That's what it should be. No offense to the ponies, or you know whatever they call them. The, the mascots uh, currently Boomer and Sooner. But Top Dog is the mascot that should be at Lloyd Noble Center for, for OU basketball games. Do you know, and I've, so I learned about Top Dog uh, earlier this season. Um, and the question I've asked a few people and have not gotten a good answer on, why is it spelled with a U? People, people my age want to sure know why now. it's spelt with a U. I believe the mascot was known as Underdog initially and changed to Top Dog. Um, I don't know if the U and Underdog had something to do with them just, you know, with the alliteration and trying to make it uh, the same. And, of course, you couldn't call it Underdog, U-N-D-E-R-D-O-G. Because that was a cartoon, which you probably, I'm not sure I've, knew I've about. heard of Underdog. Okay, good. Just making sure. It's like a superhero dog, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have Boomerang at my house. <laughs> nice. Um, well, so, I will look yeah, into more of why know. it is spelled well, with the U. Here's, that sounds like a story that needs to be written, yep. Abby. Well, that is, uh, uh, of all the questions on my list, that one is near the top. Okay, well. You need to figure this out. You I need will. To dig deep, Abby. I will. A lot of investigative reporting about to happen related to Top Dog. 
as as well it should. Yes. But I I think and I'm looking at this. This is my favorite picture of of Top Dog. Uh, For those of you who <laughs> a little uh, looks like a Fisher Price like wagon. Yes. Uh, with the little Sooner Schooner topper on it, so it yes. looks like he's he's riding a tricycle, dragging the uh, the schooner behind him. You know, when I was doing some research yesterday about Top Dog. Um, I came across an editorial from Nondoc where someone had written that uh, after the schooner crashed earlier in the football season, that while the schooner was out, they should bring back Top Dog <laughs> to fill to fill the gap. And it seems like Top Dog can bring a schooner with him. So, well, somebody has heard the pleas because I know um, I've mentioned it a couple times that they should bring back Top Dog. I know. I mentioned it as soon as I found out what it was. Our friend uh, Eddie Radosevich has made a, a bit of a campaign at some point to, to bring back Top Dog. So Eddie, yesterday, the the weird tweet started, and he's like, oh, I guess this means Top Dog's back. <laughs> and that was a joke. <laughs> but he was right. He was right. When did you figure out that that's what was happening? In the, the span of everything that went on yesterday. Um, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I was in a group text in which Joe Bettner connected some dots. And from that moment, I like, I, I trusted him because Joe Bettner, also a big uh, return of Top Dog supporter. Um, he, he, reali- he, he realized that when they tweeted out the when OU basketball tweeted out the um, little announcement about how fans should go to the Kansas game, they said uh, and, they're going to need everyone and, and their, their dog, which and, was a brilliant way to start off the campaign without being overt about it. Yes, it was very sneaky, and Joe was like, "Oh my God, it's Top Dog, isn't it?" And then uh, Athletic Director Joe Castiglione tweeted something with. Uh, some dog print emojis. <laughs> and from there, I was pretty much certain on it. Yeah, but it's the best thing OU social media team has done in a long time. And they do some pretty cool things mm-hmm. with recruiting and stuff like that. But the top dog thing was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And having their men's basketball account retweet like uh, dog thoughts. Actually, that's probably when I like. Yeah. Once I started thinking about it when the second tweet came across, which was actually during our meeting on Monday. And I came over to you and said, what was going on here? That's when I started to think when I realized they hadn't deleted the first tweet Mm -hmm. that, eh, maybe this is, could be something. Yeah. Uh, and the, the dog thoughts tweets are just so wholesome. (laughs) Love a good dog thought. It, it was great, but, do you have any do you have any favorite top dog memories? Oh, I think just uh you know, I grew up in Northwest Oklahoma City watching a lot of OU basketball and just seeing him live and on TV and everything else and um you know, you think about those teams you know, you think about Wayman Tisdale and and Stacy King and the players, you think about Billy Tubbs it's not long when you're going down the list before you get to top dog as like the things that made OU basketball, what OU basketball was during that era. So 
I think it's really cool that they're bringing him back uh, for sure. And I thought it was really cool that there was one OU fan who tweeted a picture of herself with Top mm-hmm. Dog when she was uh, a young young lady and said, I want to recreate this picture with my two-year-old this weekend. I really hope that happens. And uh, just, you know, really cool to see that coming back. So, for sure. But we're not here to talk just uh, just about mascots. We're here to talk a little bit of football and other sports, too. We'll get into a, a little bit of other stuff in the, th- the third and final segment. But real quick, Abby, before we wrap up this first segment, which has been eaten away by a lot of top dog talk. As it should have been. Um, the news out today on Tuesday that Matt Rule was taking the Carolina Panthers job. Um, I believe that's been actually made official uh, 100%, although we'd heard the reports uh, all day. So Matt Rule, and it has been, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the, the Panthers' uh, Twitter account right now. Matt Rule leaves to go to the NFL. Lincoln Riley, however, is staying. Staying put. Um, Dallas Cowboys have their coach. Um, it's a name I'm pretty familiar with, being a Packers guy. Mike McCarthy, but uh, any surprise at how this has played out with the Lincoln-Riley side of things and the Matt Rule side of things? The Lincoln-Riley side, definitely not. I mean, uh, I believe what what he said to you guys in Atlanta and what he said before that um, he's not he's not looking to leave right now, and you know he wouldn't he'll not he'll never say never because the right the exact right situation could come along but i believe him when he says that he's happy where he is and also i think that a thing that you either a thing that's definitely a part of the college game that you either like or hate is recruiting and i think lincoln riley just really loves recruiting yeah i think it's and i've talked about this quite a bit but i get, i think it's genuine with him and, mm-hmm. and so many college coaches say they like recruiting they really don't. Uh, Lincoln Riley really likes recruiting and, and likes the competitiveness of oh, it. Yeah. Loves winning the battles. I mean, heck, we saw his reaction when Jeremiah Cradell committed to OU and there were cameras around and that got posted all over social media. Became a sensation last signing day. So um, not really surprised, I think, if uh, OU would have won a championship this year. Maybe he thinks about it a little bit more just in terms of a challenge, something different. Now, I was a little bit surprised that the Cowboys didn't, uh, the way the Cowboys went about their search, which seemed to be centered on guys with NFL experience, which there's something to be said for that. But I think also there's something to be said for going outside of the box and doing things a little bit differently and not hiring somebody who's had struggles in the league because Mike McCarthy's had a lot of success in the NFL. Um, but he's also had a really talented roster that's failed to win a ton. Um, Marvin Lewis, the other guy that they uh, interviewed, at least that we know publicly, he's a guy who's had a lot of NFL success too, did really good things with the Cincinnati Bengals but didn't win big in the end. But so I thought that they might go out and interview, uh, try to interview a guy like Lincoln Riley or an Urban Meyer. Although I don't, I'm not sure 
it seems like Urban Meyer's the new John Gruden as far as any time any job comes open of any mm-hmm. note, that he's the name that gets attached to it. Um, but I think it's certainly good for Oklahoma fans how this whole thing's played out. Yeah. Because I think Matt Rule, if you asked me yesterday, who are the two best coaches in the Big 12, I'm saying Lincoln Riley and Matt Rule, and I don't even think twice about it. Yeah, no, I think that's completely right. But I mean, also not surprised that Matt Rule has gone to the NFL. We, we've we talked before about it. Yeah, um, I was a little surprised that it would be the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Although, to me, if you have those two jobs open, and we, Matt Rule's been talked about so much in relation to the New York Giants, if you have those two jobs open, he made the right call. Carolina, I think, is a place where you can win um, and win relatively quickly. Uh, I I think he's got a good quarterback in place there, obviously. I think Matt Rule's system it works really well and is going to work in the NFL. So um, uh, interesting to see that, and it'll be interesting to see who Baylor gets. I know all the players have been advocating for Joey McGuire, who was, of course, Charleston Rambo's high school coach. Mm-hmm. Um, the players love him. I know uh talked to Charleston Rambo about him uh, just a couple months ago, and he was really – complimentary of the job that Joey McGuire did. I, I went down to his Charleston Rambo signing in high school, which was right after Joey McGuire had the get gotten that job and uh, did a fantastic job there um, at uh, Cedar Hill. So we'll see what happens with Baylor, but I, I think that that could shift maybe how I think about next season and the seasons beyond in the Big 12 because uh, it's going to take a lot to replicate the success that Matt Rule had in Waco. And so fast, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. But we're going to take a break right there. We're going to come back with more OU Football Talk. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zach. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Bitterman. And uh, Abby, January comes around, the season ends, and so much of the talk centers on who's going to leave, who's going to come back. We have our answers on a couple of guys. I don't think either one was any surprise at all. The fact that CeeDee Lamb almost immediately, the day after the game, announced that he was going to the NFL Kenneth Murray announced a few days later that he was heading to the NFL. Neither of those uh, two guys were much of a surprise, especially after the seasons that they both had, but most notably Kenneth Murray. I thought even though his numbers were significantly down tackle-wise, he was a much, much, much better player in 2019 than he was in 2018. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, like you said, I think that for the last – uh, decent amount of time of the season uh, we all knew and believed that both those guys were gone for sure um, and a few other guys that I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute were more question marks and still remain kind of questions but definitely uh, C.D. Lamb and Kenneth Murray were two guys that I think everybody kind of believed for a long time that this would that 2019 was their last season at OU yeah Let's talk about the other guys. Who do you, out of the guys that we haven't heard from yet, I think uh, that list gets shrunk down 
you know pretty tight with the news that it, it appears like Ken, Kennedy Brooks is going to stay. Mm-hmm. That's that's been reported, and I haven't heard anything to to uh, differ from that. But who do you out of the guys who haven't declared most likely to leave? Most likely to leave. Mm. I mean, maybe maybe Trey Sermon just because he has he has been he has shown that he can be very successful. I mean, he did get uh, he did suffer a season-ending injury, but I think he's probably put enough on tape to show what he can do. Um, so yeah, I'll say him. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd go with Trey Sermon just because. At the running back position, as much as any other position in the NFL, your number of carries is so finite mm-hmm. that that position doesn't last a whole long time in the NFL. Maybe he thinks, especially given his injury this year, that, hey, if I only got a certain amount of time left, and there's few running backs who defy that. Obviously, Adrian Peterson is one, and there have been other examples. Um but I, I think he's the most likely to go. That said, I think he might be served to come back for a year and yeah. prove his health that he's that he's okay. But uh, yeah, he's the most likely to leave. You know, the more and more this thing goes on, the more and more I lean toward Creed Humphrey coming back because mm-hmm. because of some of the things we've heard about him and and just the fact that. Um, he didn't make the the decision pretty quickly because he is highly enough thought of that I think the feedback on him is going to be positive enough to where that's not going to be the deciding factor with you know the grade coming back from the NFL yeah. on him. Um, so I, I think that the longer and longer that we don't hear anything on Creed Humphrey, the better it is for OU fans. The prospect of them coming, him coming back, because if Creed Humphrey comes back, this line all of a sudden looks pretty formidable next year. If, oh, definitely. If you can feel good about that left tackle spot. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that only having to replace uh, one one starter in R.J. Proctor is definitely a big positive for this line after yeah, and, so I successfully mean, replacing four this for the 2019 season. Yeah, and Eric Swenson had played. Um, yeah. That started enough there. Now, my question is what they do there with that spot. Mm-hmm. Does, does Eric Swenson take over? Do they flip tackles and put uh, Adrian Illy at the other side? Um, we'll see. I mean, to me, that probably would make the most sense uh, if everything, all things being equal. You know, maybe putting uh, putting Ely on the left side and then putting uh, Eric Swenson or, or somebody else at that right tackle spot. Uh, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think that that also makes a lot of sense. Um, but I think that another positive is just that um, that Eric Swenson at all has had, you know, that experience of starting – um, and that they have a bunch of guys who who have played because at the beginning of last season they kind of uh, or this past season they kind of yeah Creed Humphrey was the only one well Creed Humphrey and R J Proctor 
Yeah. We're the only one with any kind of collegiate experience to speak of. Yeah. And now and now they have quite a few guys uh, because they did, I believe, move some things around to begin with before settling on something. Right. So, yeah, um, I think you know, that I think that that shows that, uh, you know, Bill Biedenboe isn't afraid to move things around kind of like how you're talking about. Yeah. It'll be interesting to, to me to see what they do with Bray Walker. Um uh, could he be the the uh, the solution mm-hmm. at one of the tackle spots? Moving him back outside, I knew that he had moved inside some this year, but uh, you know maybe if he's ready, if he slides in there for Swenson, if they feel like Swenson's not the right choice there, or again, I think Adrian Ely is probably best served if he if he can pull it off. I think OU would be better off with him on the left side. Um, but that that will be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch if they find a way to get EJ and Doma Ogar on the field. I know they felt really good about him. He redshirted this year. Wasn't the official backup at center, but I think if an injury would have happened, maybe he's the guy that they would have thrown in there. Uh, you know, do they keep him at center? Do they play him at guard? You know, what do they do with with him? Um, I think he'll be a whole lot closer to being ready to play this year. So. That's going to be something I think that's going to be fascinating to watch. And I think the state of that offensive line, to me, is why OU enters next season as a team that I think a lot of people are going to uh, pick to get into the playoff. Um, Obviously, they'll have a new quarterback, likely going to be Spencer Rattler. I don't think any of us expect anything differently. I sure don't. Um, But they're going to have talent at running back. With whoever comes back there, they're going to have talent at receiver. It'll be interesting to see who the number one receiver winds up being on that team next year. But uh, that offensive line, I think the building blocks of, of that mm-hmm. offense is why why Oklahoma is going to once again be the favorite in the Big 12. And if you're the favorite in the Big 12, you're going to be thought of as a playoff uh, contender. Oh, yeah, I would definitely agree. And I – yeah, with so many – uh, with so many offensive weapons and with um, a defense that should only continue to improve, I can't see OU not being the favorite. Yeah, the the defense will be interesting because they lose so much up front. And a, I think they lose a lot of like, I don't want to say seniority, but uh, experience and well, I mean, clearly, you know, losing Kenneth Murray there, yeah. you know, you you try to figure out how you're going to replace that. I think, you know, we'll see if maybe Caleb Kelly plays a bigger role at, at that inside spot or what they do do there. Wouldn't expect Brian Mead to be the starter there. Um, crazier things have happened though. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so much of how good that defense is is going to depend on who they how well they perform up front with the guys that are replacing Neville Gallimore, Marquez Overton and and Dylan Fatamatau um how they cover for the loss of Ronnie Perkins early in the season we expect him to miss the first 5 games of the season which i think if you're an OU fan you're really happy about the Matt Rule thing because of that, because Baylor is one of those first five games. They sure are. Uh, but Texas, so is Texas. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, in the secondary, I think they're going to be better just for 
depth wise. I yeah. mean, clearly, oh, yeah. clearly losing Parnell Motley is going to hurt you. But they felt good about the other two cornerbacks that they threw out there this year, Jaden Davis uh, and, and Trey Brown. You'd expect them to take steps forward. I think they feel a whole lot better about the depth that they're building back there than they did this year. Um, you'd expect uh, guys like Woody Washington to be able to play on a more consistent basis back there. We'll see if Justin Broyles takes a step as well during year two of Alex Grinch. But um, I expect their defense to overall be a little bit better next year than it is this year. But they're going to have to have some guys that didn't do a whole lot this year play much bigger roles. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take one more break here on the Sooners Extra podcast. We'd appreciate it if you go to uh, your Apple podcast app or Google podcast, wherever you uh, consume your podcast and drop us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber here with Abby Bitterman. And, uh, Abby, let's talk a little bit more football. Yeah, a little bit more. I did have a question that I wanted to ask you. We were talking about the uh, secondary a minute ago, and you mentioned Trey Brown. But a name that hasn't come up in a while, and, you know, I was wondering if you knew anything about, what, what's going on with Trey Norwood? It seems like his rehab's going along uh, – about like they expected, which would be him. We'll see if he's back for spring. I think that there's a good shot that he would be back for spring. So that'll be something to watch, how he fits into that whole equation. He was a cornerback a couple years ago, took Parnell Motley's spot. He did. Does he slide in there? Um, we saw him at, at safety and nickel a little bit toward the end of the 2018 season. Does he? Do they put him back there? I think a lot of people expected him this year to be the nickelback back there that wound up going to uh, Buki Radley Hiles very up and down season for him had some really good <laughs> moments but also uh, a lot of moments that left you sh- shaking your head especially that peach bowl ejection yeah so uh, you know we'll see where he fits in right now I would say the most likely spot is probably uh there at nickel um in in place of Radley Hiles now we'll see you know how all the pieces fit there but that would be big for them if they got Trey Norwood back healthy and able to uh, do what he was doing uh, toward the end of the 2018 season because I thought he took a really big step forward then. Oh, yeah, same. I thought that he, he finished that year um, with, you know, just playing really well, and I think that it definitely hurt the Sooners' depth when he got hurt, and so it'll it'll be great if, if they can get him back. Yeah, so uh, we'll see about that. That'll be certainly a, a name to watch uh, during the spring. Abby, we got some news uh, not too long ago last week yep. about the quarterback position, uh, both in the 2021 and the 2020 class. First of all, Brock Vandegrift decommits, number one quarterback in the 2021 class. He had been the number one player in the 2021 class until recently. I think Rivals dropped him down to number four. Um, that was a tough pill, I think, for a lot of OU fans to swallow, especially given the fact that OU had just played in Georgia, his home state. Mm-hmm. He said that he wanted to stay closer to home. We'll see what uh, comes to fruition with them. 
Then a couple days later, the news comes out that Chandler Morris had committed to OU, had actually signed with OU. Yep. Turns out he signed in December. So the Chandler Morris and Brock Vandegrift decisions, even though they came out within, what, 48 hours of each other? Yeah, that's about Maybe right. 24. Weren't tied together. Although a lot of people initially thought they were and got a little upset about it. They they did. Chandler Morris, um, not as highly thought of. Yeah. The three-star guy. Um, didn't have a ton of big-time offers. Was committed to Arkansas for a while. His dad gets fired at Arkansas. And I think everybody thought, uh, well, not everybody, a lot of people thought that he would follow his dad to Auburn after Chad Morris, Chandler Morris's father, uh, is named the offensive coordinator there at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Not the case, though. Nope. And I mean, first of all, very unsurprising that he, he decommitted after his dad got fired. Well, yeah, of course. But I think that, you know, uh, I know we wrote about it. A lot of people wrote about it, talked about it, how OU kind of needed a quarterback in this in this 2020 class because um, all – before Chandler Morris signed, all they had scholarship-wise was Spencer Rattler and Tanner Mordecai. And what if, uh, I mean, I, like, what if somebody gets hurt? What if something happens? What if someone goes in the portal? Things like that. Then you only got one. So uh, it was really important that OU get a, a quarterback in this class. And I think that that probably maybe caused Lincoln Riley to make an extra push for Chandler Morris. I know that uh, when he was on ESPN announcing his decision, he talked about his relationship with Lincoln Riley and how that was important. Uh, so I guess it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about how Lincoln Riley just loves recruiting, loves to win recruiting battles. Yeah, this is true, and that was a big win for them. Um, I think Chandler Morris doesn't have the measurables. He's not the guy that pops out on the page at you. He's not Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. But he reminds you a lot about Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And this this is not, please don't misconstrue what I'm saying if you're listening. I'm not saying that Chandler Morris is going to be Baker Mayfield. It's not I don't know if he's going to win the Heisman's. I don't know if he's going to uh you know be the number one pick in the NFL draft or anything. But he's got that sort of attitude about him mm-hmm. that's similar to Baker's. He's got the production that's similar to Baker's. I mean, he was fantastic in high school. He was undersized, which I think is why a, a lot of programs did not offer him, which is similar to Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot of things that make you wonder, you know, could this kid do similar things to what Baker Mayfield does? And I'm on record as saying that Baker Mayfield was not going to win the Heisman Trophy at OU. I wrote that in the paper. Uh, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Haven't we? I don't think I knew that you wrote that in the paper. Uh, yeah, I, I basically wrote, and longtime listeners will have heard this before, because I do tell on myself. I wrote, and I, I was being complimentary of Baker. Like this was a positive passage in the story. Was well, Baker Mayfield's not going to win the Heisman, but he can still be a really good quarterback. Well, it turns out that he could be a great quarterback, the best quarterback in OU history. Yeah. And yes, he won a Heisman and finished in the top four two other years. So he uh, he outperformed a lot of expectations. Is the point? Yeah, 
And you know, yeah, sometimes coming out of high school, you don't you don't know what somebody could be. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what Chandler Morris becomes. Now, that being said, I expect for at least the next two seasons, Spencer Rattler to be Oklahoma's starting quarterback. I would agree with that with that expectation. And I think that people are really high on what he did in high school. I know we just talked about how high school is and everything, but he really he did have kind of he I don't know this as a fact, but it sounds to me the idea that I get is he was kind of like the Kyler Murray of Arizona for his time. Yeah, he was a little bit obviously missed a, a chunk of his last season there yes. with the, the suspension that ended his year. But what Spencer Rattler has that Chandler Morris didn't is the measurables to go yes. along with that. I mean, he's the prototypical dual threat quarterback. So I think every expectation is that Spencer Rattler is going to be the guy. Now, the interesting thing now becomes – can Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley convince Tanner Mordecai to hang around? You've got to convince him on a couple fronts. One, you've got to convince him that he's legitimately in the quarterback battle. And I think that goes beyond just telling him, hey, you're in the quarterback battle, that you've got to tell him why and, and really finesse that. And two, also, at some point, OU is going to need a backup quarterback. They've been really lucky over the last uh, five seasons to not have to dip into the quarterback depth really at all. I mean, they've had the one incident where uh, Kyler Murray had to start in Baker Mayfield's spot after the, the very short-lived suspension following crotch grab gate. Uh, yes. Um, what a time. Then they had uh, the Austin Kendall start. Um, they had that time that two years ago Trevor when, Knight had to come in. Well, um yeah, that yeah that was I'm talking about to start a game. Oh, okay. Um, but there was a time when Austin Kendall had to start in Kyler Murray's spot after Kyler Murray slept through an alarm. But <laughs> who among at, us hasn't? At some point, they're going to need a backup quarterback uh, to come into a game. You mentioned the Trevor Knight had to come in. I think that was against TCU. Yes, um, that the, was against TCU year. when I was a freshman. Yeah. And so I obviously had not been in school um, when Trevor Knight was the guy. And I was living in Illinois, so I wasn't paying a ton of attention to Oklahoma football. And I remember watching Trevor Knight play and just the feeling that you felt in the stadium when he was in there. And it was kind of like, <laughs> this was the guy? This was this was this was your guy. Um but This was the guy that beat Alabama? Yeah. I was like And and that happened. I was there, I watched it with my own two eyes. He was, beat Alabama. There was just this feeling that it was like, oh, like something big better happen because it doesn't feel like Trevor yeah, Knight can get it done. But Stephen Parker helps uh, save the day for yes, him there. And something, at but, the end. So But probably the the longest live instance I can think of of needing a backup to be in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, certainly over the last five seasons. In, in re- yes, the, in recent the, In the Lincoln-Riley era. Um, but at some point, you're going to – I mean, injuries just come with that position. Yeah. And certainly uh, that's a spot where you've got to have some depth. So they've really got to work on keeping Tanner Mordecai. It sounds like he's leaning toward coming back right now. Um, 
from everybody that I've talked to and I, I know uh, the athletic had a report that he was planning on coming back. Um, so we'll see what happens there with him, but it'll be certainly uh, something fun to keep an eye on. Uh, Abby, just real quick before we wrap things up, we got to talk a little bit of uh, OU hoops. Good start to the Big 12 season for the Sooners with the win over uh, Kansas State. Oh, yeah. Uh, a big week for them coming up this week, though. Yep. Uh, going to Texas on Wednesday and then going to Iowa State on Saturday. Two games I think are both winnable for them. But, um, you know, until that Kansas State game, they'd only had three players on the roster that had played – scholarship players that had played in a, a Big 12 conference game. And so still battling against a lot of – uh, youth and an experience, but they've also been in a lot of close games, a lot of really competitive and physical games. And so I think that those experiences in the non-conference part of the season are really going to help even those guys that haven't, that who for a lot of them Wednesday will be their first uh, Big 12 road game, uh, will help them as they go into the environment in Austin, Texas. Yeah, so we'll see uh, what happens down there at the drum in Austin. That'll be uh, you're going to be at both those games, or just one, or just or Texas. None of them? Okay, you're not making the drive all the way to Ames. Nope, sorry, Iowa. I, I've made that drive a, a few times. I made it once. And it's usually in the freezing cold, and uh, but Austin's a fun experience. You have to go down there. Not the greatest uh, view for you uh, down on the court, but. You'll be all right there. That'll Never be been to Austin. So. Um, Abby, I know this is n- you're uh, new to the OU basketball beat and, and certainly uh, covering the, the Big 12 part of their season as it just started. Is How big of a concern right now is depth on this team uh, going into the conference play? I would say um, – Depth, not maybe the biggest concern. I think that, you know, being able to play a lot of guys in the non-conference part of the season was really important. Um, And that was something certainly that they did. A lot of guys got to play a lot of valuable minutes. Um, I think that, you know, I I guess this is depth in a way, but uh, in the beginning part of the season – the they were getting a lot of points from the bench now not necessarily getting as much like scoring production from the bench but they do still get some good defensive minutes rebounds and such from their bench so they're still getting production in a way maybe not the scoring that they need it seems like they need a couple things one they need Davion Harmon to be much more consistent yes what he does Especially on the offensive end, or Jamal Bienemy to be back to what he was last year. Well, yeah, that that certainly would help. But I, I think that if you think about one of those two things, I think they'd prefer if Harmon, yeah, uh, took a big step forward here in the last half of the season. And also, they need, I think, uh, more consistent offensive production from Kirk Woth. You saw some of that against uh, Rio, Texas Rio Grande Valley mm-hmm. when he had to start there in uh, Christian Doolittle spot. That was the UTRGV game, right? Yes, yes, in? yes. That was UTRGV, um, yes. So you saw the ability to do it. I think he he's a guy who they really need to be much more consistent, especially given the fact that they go small so much mm-hmm. with, with that lineup. 
in the Big 12, there's going to be times when you need some size out there, and certainly that's something that Kerr uh, provides. I think his biggest struggle has just been being ready for it on offense. Uh, there have been a number of times in the last two games where uh, someone has passed it to him, and it's kind of just gone right through his hands where if he would have caught it, he would have had uh, basically the opportunity to st- score because if he catches it and he's anywhere near the rim, it's it's going to go in. Um, so I think that that is probably the biggest thing is that he just needs to, needs to be more ready for it uh, and ready to – ready to catch it really yeah um and then i think that though another big issue that uh they need to overcome is that uh they need to just start quicker just be more aggressive out the gate and just kind of get things going uh sooner and not wait until the last 10 minutes like they did against kansas state uh really Christian Doolittle is the only person who hasn't seemed to have this problem of uh, starting slow, but you can't just have one guy do it for you the whole game. I mean, he did for most of the Kansas State game. He kept it in. He kept them in it very well, but that's not going to work, especially as you start to play some of the tougher opponents in the Big Twelve. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, uh, interesting week for for Oklahoma men's basketball. We'll see, but. It's one week from today when we're recording this podcast. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, January 7th. January 14th, Yep. Top Dog makes his return. It'll be five days later when he'll uh, be there for the OU women's game for the first time. So big week next week, but big week this week with uh, some important road games for the OU men. But we're going to wrap it up there on the Sooners Extra podcast. The Sooners Extra podcast, as always, is presented by Zaxby's the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Once again, you've been listening to the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoma, and you can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning at the Oklahoman. For the best OU coverage anywhere, you can reach me by email, R-A-B-E-R, at oklahoman.com, on Twitter, at R-Y-A-B-E-R, that's at Aber. Abby? Uh, I'm Abby Bitterman on Twitter at Abby underscore Bitterman and through email a bitterman at oklahoman.com. And we'll be back next week with another issue of the Sooners Extra Podcast. Thank you so much for listening.